0: what it do booze welcome to another episode of qbt a podcast where two queer babes talk mental health pop culture and whatever the hell else we want this week we continue our theme on families and attachment with licensed clinical social worker adam mcdonald who is here to fill us in on how and why we attach ourselves to others i'm shawnee a former New York City-based therapist turned media and entertainment badass based here in Portland, Oregon. And I am running solo on this intro because Maddie ran off to Mexico. Don't worry, they'll show up in just a second. And remember, we might be therapists, but we're not your therapists. Okay? Okay. That was that was kind of weird to say by myself. Nah, y'all will be fine. Trying to talk
1: slick, all up in my ear and shit. (laughs) Welcome back. Today, we are joined by licensed clinical social worker, also in Austin, Texas, Adam McDonald is here to talk to us a little bit about attachment and trauma and a little bit about um, just like how you come to this work and about this work and queer people in this work. And it's just so wonderful to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming here today. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um wait so are we not talking about texas
2: i want to talk about texas no let me stop i'm joking <laughs> we're here to talk about family dynamics Ugh, and attachment theory. texas is full of interesting family dynamics oh
1: <laughs> there we go <laughs> i could tell you yeah. uh, <laughs> yeehaw um so <laughs> I, I think uh one way we like to get started just to have you introduce yourself in your own way is uh what identities do you hold that shape how you come into this world Uh,
2: I am a white, queer man, Uh, I'm cisgender, I'm temporarily bodied, or able-bodied, and um, I also identify as a a fat therapist as well.
1: Um, How does that show up for you in your work, that specific identity of fat therapist?
2: It is um, something that's really important for so many survivors of trauma that I work with, uh, to understand that because um, a lot of folks have body based trauma. Uh, and a lot of trauma is metabolized into the body in a way where really one of the only ways to heal from it is to actually connect to your body. And if you have this really negative, fat phobic um, perception of your body, it's going to be so hard to heal that trauma. Um, and I'm also a fat therapist. Um, I need a big chair. All of my furniture in my office is for uh, larger people. Uh, I make it safe and comfortable for fat folks to find me and
1: to use my space and to be with me. Um,
2: Yeah. So those are a little
1: of the ways. I love that. Um, When you're speaking specifically about like finding that connection back with the body, Do you have any ways that you do that with folks in the room just as a kind of like settling or grounding technique? Not necessarily um, months or years worth of work trying to get back into that body, but maybe like something our listeners could do in this moment if they were um, sitting in a chair or at work or something like that?
2: Absolutely. I'd be happy to if it feels safe to do this. Um, there are absolutely he- wonderful healing connections to breath. And so if we could, this is called a, um, a circulated breath, I think. And so you'll breathe in for four seconds. You'll hold it for four seconds. Three, four, hold, two, three, four, and let go for eight, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One more. One, in, three, four, hold, two, three, four, and out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, just notice how it feels. Maybe you feel a little bit more relaxed in certain areas, maybe more tense in others. All of it's okay. And yeah, I'm gonna take a big deep breath too. Please, yeah, please. <laughs> Thank you.
1: Um, I think for me within that, I absolutely rec- recognize some release of tension and also like that kind of settling of bones, that kind of like um, falling into my seat a little bit. And while I think that we can talk a lot about what those physical sensations kind of are i would love to hear maybe your way of explaining to clients why that's important
2: like why the breathing is important or connecting to the body both okay yeah well breathing is something that is so intricately interconnected to our brain um to give us constant information about the safety of an environment. Hmm. And so if we're taking really shallow breaths in and out very quickly, that's our brain is going to interpret that and say, um, we're in fucking danger, mm-hmm. we need to fucking fight or we need to leave, yeah. or we need to make ourselves look like a non-threat. Those are our options and we gotta fucking pick one.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But slowing down the breath, allows your body to turn on that part of your nervous system that really allows that information to go to your brain that, Hey, we're okay. Everything's fine. You belong. No one's going to reject you right now. You're doing great. And so, um, of course that's not like a fix for loneliness or depression or OCD or anxiety, but Um, it can take you from like a nine out of 10 of worry or anxiety or, um, panic to like an eight out of 10, which is nice. if you could do other things to get to a seven and then a six and then a five and then a two and then a one maybe, um, yeah, so it's, it's, yeah, it, and also the way that it's like connected to trauma is that it allows your brain to like heal because like if your brain's like always in this like threatened scary yeah harried oh my god she's gonna get me place that's like not good i think we can all agree on
0: that yeah for sure for sure (laughs) um before we get I feel like we're gonna open a lot of doors and talk about a lot of things. Um, <laughs> yeah. but before we get into all of that, um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what your practice looks like, sort of, you know, the type of um clients that you see and what are some of the day-to-day things? Like what are some of the things that you're sort of used to seeing and hearing? Um and
1: their names and addresses. Yeah, and social security problems. number social security if you numbers. got that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, just give us, give us a glimpse inside of, uh, what your practice is like.
2: Hmm. Wow. Um, I just want to take a moment and say like that, that feels really good to be asked that. Like, that sounds fun. I haven't been asked that question in a very long time. So I love that. Um, yeah, I feel cool. Um, (laughs) well, (laughs) yeah, it's, um, I see a mix of, well, I see only adults. Um, uh, I can, we can do a whole section on that some other time if you'd like. Um, but I, I love working with adults and I see a mix of individual couples or, uh, like partnerships, um, and group, uh, psychotherapy. And so on any given day, um, I could be seeing a couple for like this, like major trauma that happened within the the relationship that they need to work through Um, or just like communication issues or physical intimacy issues. Um, uh, A lot of folks who have a really unsatisfying um, and maybe scary past with sex um, can really have a hard time performing with their partners. And so um, that's typically what comes in with like partnered psychotherapy. Um, but then with individuals, it can run pretty much anywhere. Um, because I, I work with a lot of attachment issues. Uh, that means like relationship stuff pretty much. That's, that's how I, I'm like, so everything, <laughs> <laughs> yes, literally. Yeah. Well, it's so funny that you say that because it literally does connect to everything. We have a relationship to ourselves. We have a relationship to others. Uh, we have a relationship to our community. Our, yeah, there's just so much, um, yeah, and so I see a lot of folks who are struggling in their relationships. Uh, that can be either because they didn't get very good caregiver support when they were young, or that can be maybe because they went through some pretty major trauma, either physical, emotional, um, psychological, um, any of it, um, spiritual, um, And um, I can see them for talk therapy or EMDR. Uh, EMDR, it's a specific type of trauma therapy. Um, And then I I currently have a group for gay men um, in Austin, Texas. Um, And so I'll see them and um, intermixed with all my other folks. Uh, And it's really fun. Um, I I love to work with people and make a safe space for them to just talk about the shitty things that happen to them um, that they don't really want to talk to anyone else about. It feels pretty cool.
1: What do you see your role in being um, a clinician in Austin, Texas, specifically working um, with queer people around queer issues, around sex positive issues? Like, what does that feel like for you in Texas, like the context of Texas? So,
2: I mean, to be a a psychotherapist who is um, anti-oppressive, anti-capitalist, uh, queer in Austin, Texas, I, tr- there can be a lot of challenging moments for me, um, working with folks, um, Uh, Where I have to, like, make space for some challenging, uh, oppressive, um, sexist, racist, misogynist um, ideas uh, to, like, support them to, like, maybe move towards a more generous and compassionate view of the world, which is really um, where I see, uh, like, the most controversial parts of being a psychotherapist in Texas, I see that that can be um, really supportive for for a lot of folks. But then other folks, there are um, experiences where like they've just, they've never heard that it's okay to have multiple partners. They've never heard that it's okay to be queer or to be gay or to just not want to have sex at all. Um, and so sometimes I am the first person in their life to ever say to them that it's okay to be who you are. Um, which can be really powerful, um uh, and really emotional. Um, and so really it's my, it's my place to just accept people, um, to hold a generous stance with them, to not react to what they're having a really intense time with, uh, but to just like be there as a sturdy support. Um, and it is
1: also challenging in Texas. <laughs> um, so, you know, as we're leaning into this theme that we're having this month around families, and you're talking about generosity and being this space for some of these folks to experience the generosity of being, right? And sometimes for the first time, and a lot of times that trauma and that separation and that inability to hear that can happen in these families of origin. Um and Adams giving me a big eye roll and a nod <laughs> like um uh before we kind of maybe dive into the ways in which that shows up in um within queer people and this kind of like way that it shows up in a a lot of different queer populations and folks um mm-hmm. I want to zoom out in one of the um tools that you use in your practice you are naming attachment as like what you would call just like relational x like and how we are in relationships i'd also love to hear a little bit um not just that definition but your understanding of the sort of like the theory of attachment and that and, and that sort of like psychoed ed that like um the very uh the very psychology workshop on attachment that uh you yeah know, you, the one pager yes the, want, the, i want, want the th- ceu you know what i mean
2: <laughs> <laughs> you want the lunch and learn ceu happy to give it to yeah. you Uh, Well, I'm going to serve it up. Um, Attachment is really, um, it's a theory that was born out of some um, experiments where there was um, a mother and a child um, in a room uh, and they would video these kids um, and notice the patterns of reactions that would happen when their parent or their mom would leave the room and then what would happen when they would return. And, um, essentially they started to find that there were certain patterns that would happen when both the mom left and returned, where some kids would become incon- inconsolable when the mom, uh, w- would leave. Um, uh, couldn't, couldn't regulate itself, couldn't find any calmness or any uh, sense of peace. Um, and then there were also kids who maybe also did that, but then, who once their mom returned, um, they would like reject the mom and be like, Oh my God, I'm so pissed off at you. Why would you do that? And other kids would like turn to the mom and like completely fucking ignore her. They'd be like, who the fuck are you? Who do you think you are for leaving? Um, that's not fully the experience, but that's what it looks like on camera. And so they started studying all these different patterns, um, of attachment and really, um, What they started to see that there are pretty much three primary different ways that kids attach to their parents. Uh, And then that started to develop into understanding how attachment changes over the lifespan. Uh, It was only like in the last 30, 40 years that um, people started caring about adult attachment and how um, adult attachment uh, is actually connected to primary caregiver experiences. Um, and so, um, really, it's all it, the, the whole paradigm of attachment theory is understanding how we're um, understanding the characteristics of relationships that contribute to a felt sense of security, belonging, um, and also understanding what characteristics correlate with um how to respond how we respond to threats uh such as our partner leaving us um or just shitty parts of our day um, not getting the bus
1: so we we have these ways of like understanding in retrospect a little bit oh these are categories or names of ways that i might have experienced my childhood based off of these characteristics that I've been exhibiting throughout X, both in my relationship with my parent or my dad or differently with my mom and my dad. And then also, why am I arguing with my boyfriend every time X happens? Like, is that what you're sort of trying to offer? Absolutely. absolutely. Okay,
2: 100%. Because um, attachment, it's it's based on behaviorism really, which is just looking at patterns of behavior. Um, And that's based on a lot of like, how do we learn stuff? How do we know that we know stuff? How do we know that a brain is a brain? Like, how do we know that this is me and you are you? Um, And um, the building blocks of our brains are built on our primary caregiver experiences. Um, And so as a baby, you are evolutionarily and biologically attuned with your mom because she can, and this is all super cishet, non-queer fun uh, attachment language of the past, but pretty much uh, whoever had the milk, the child was significantly more attached to um, because it's like, if you leave me, I have no milk. I'm going to die. I'm literally going to die. I cannot do without you, uh, and even if it's Similek, it's like, <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, Similek, yeah, absolutely. You know, you got to get that milk one way or another, yeah.
1: <laughs> and whoever's going to give it to you. Real question. I mean, infamil smells disgusting. Have you ever smelled Infamil? Mm. It doesn't matter. Sorry. No, I try to. <laughs> had... I try
0: to avoid babies and all baby things.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but anyway, if you had the milk and it went away, that's we're attached to or angry at or. Yeah, because that
2: means, that means security, and, uh, and she took it away. I want it. Give it back. Um, and so our brain is literally dependent on our primary uh, attachment figures, and if those relationships are shitty, like if they're inconsistent or if they have huge reactions or actually no reaction to what we do or say, that significantly fucks us up. And I'm not saying that parents have to be perfect, although that would be really fucking nice. (laughs) Like, is it really that much that we're asking I know. It can't be that hard.
1: I didn't ask. To To be be born. (laughs) Yeah. Right? You tried real hard. You'd think you would have tried harder. Harder. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, Um, something I'm curious about, and I know it's like hard to sort of give an overview and then also uh, talk specifically about this theory, but you were naming this is not necessarily the the fun ways in which we talk about this within a queer lens of attachment and i will say that that in when i was in school was my barrier to being interested in attachment because i'm like oh, yeah. i don't want to put this much weight on my relationship with my mother in and obviously i'm being like in my own head about it but i'm just like i also know a lot of people who didn't have a mom or like these other things that i'm sure inform the way in which they come to adult relationships and i know a lot of people who do not fit this textbook definition or this thing that they should by not having a good relationship with their mom so what i'm asking is what are the ways in which we learn better attachment or heal some of that attachment outside of that sort of like traditional family of origin lens in which I feel like this theory wants us to believe. And I know that- that's Go to therapy. A, okay. Go to therapy. Okay, <laughs> not <Can't> work. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and have really good relationships with your peers, uh, with your chosen family. It's, and, and that's why I, I, I primary attachment figure is the language that I try to use instead of parent or uh, mom or dad. Um, and be, primarily because, uh, yeah, sometimes you have a mom and a dad, and neither one of them are your primary attachment figure. Mm. Um, uh, you know, you might have them in your life in one way. Maybe your grandmother is your attachment figure. Maybe you don't have one, which also is not good. Uh, like, you need to be able to have a secure attachment figure in order to have a secure attachment. Um and that attachment figure can change over time and that can be different people, which is really why um, there's this, there's a lot of, you know, like this edible complex <laughs> where like you want to fuck your mom um, and you find those part, those characteristics in your future partner that you really want uh, because they're from your primary understanding of like, this is what love is. Love is this. Um, yeah. I went straight for the edible complex. You did. How is that?
1: I mean, how is it for you? <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a normal day for me. It's a Sunday. That's fair.
1: That's fair. That's fair. So, um, like,
0: what if you want to be nothing like your mom, and you don't want anybody in your life like her? I mean, not my mom. I'm like Angela. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> this, <laughs> is so this isn't about For legal purposes, you know, Angela. <laughs> Angela will call me right after this comes out. Who do you think you are? And that's our attachment style.
2: (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's a great question. Um, If you are, if you have such a shitty relationship with your parent, that um, you really push far away from that, um, sometimes that can happen, of course. Um, And More often than not, we really do find ourselves in patterns um, of relating with people that resemble that first relationship. Um, And so, um, yeah, there's kind of not a lot of escaping it except for therapy. Um, And, yeah. There's no quick fix. Got it. (laughs) You you know? (laughs) when I find it, I will okay.
1: absolutely let
2: you happy to send it over to y'all.
1: Um, a word that we've been using a lot, which it simultaneously feels very obvious. And I think within attachment has a very specific meaning, but what is secure attachment? Like, what is that thing that we are hoping for? Yeah.
2: It, you ask five different attachment therapists, you're going to get six different answers. Um, and so I, the one that I have used with my people, with my folks, um, is being able to appreciate your own self-worth. Being able to find satisfaction in being with others and in being with yourself. Being happy to rely on others and to have others rely on you being able to maintain emotional balance in the midst of emotional disturbance. That's not crisis. That's not trauma. Those are different things. Um, And really being able to be resilient. That is what a secure attachment is um,
1: when I think about it. So it's not leaning into being so cold with everyone that no one can come in. And it's also not being so so, Over, clean. So, yeah, so clean. So yes, so clingy. So like, I have to text you all the time. I have to be able to literally see you in order to understand that you exist. I have to like have mm-hmm. these, like, physical examples. Like these are sort of opposite ends of the spectrum, whereas like security allows for variability and then still a a balance within the, the self of knowing that like, oh, that's okay. Even if it's not like what it needs to be in this moment. And I don't have to overreact 100%. or underreact
2: to that. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You know, when, when I talked about the kids who would cry unc- inconsolably when their mom would leave, those are the same adults. Those kids grow up to be adults who need to have you text them every hour. Um, and who needs to know where you're like, what's going on, what you're up to, that you still love them, that you don't hate them, that this random thing that you saw in the street doesn't mystically mean that you, Hate them again or something. I don't know. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's really just about being able to be on your own and feel like you're not.
1: Um, you're naming go to therapy as a helpful solution. When we're thinking about um, folks with lowercase or capital T traumas that come from family of origin, how do we utilize this theory? in order to process and work through trauma with clients or ourselves?
2: It, you know, it it starts with healing. Um, and that healing experience can look so many different ways for so many different folks, but really it's just a radical acceptance of someone when they walk into the door to say that everything that they're bringing in is important and valid and deserves to be heard and deserves to be talked about and that they deserve to be understood by someone, and to be seen by someone. Um, And having their primary attachment figure maybe be me for a little bit, Hmm. where I get to be the new person in their life that is going to be able to be there, to be sturdy, to be caring, to be uh, fair, to be good uh, too who um, will not react shitty to them, who will not reject them, who will not push them away. Um, And then over time, as they maybe, as they find out what they like, because it's not just like a one size fits all thing. Otherwise, um, it'd be so much faster. Um, But over time, the relationship between the client and myself helps us to understand what that client needs in certain situations, like when they're feeling scared, when they're feeling sad, when they're feeling angry, um, to heal those parts of themselves that weren't allowed to have those feelings with their primary attachment figure. Where that primary attachment figure would say, stop being sad. Uh, uh, cowboy up. Uh, put on, Pull yourself up from your bootstraps. Um, boys don't cry. Um, to where I get to say, no, everyone gets to cry. Everyone gets to cry. Um, and then over time, as they figure out what they like, um, they start asking for that in their relationships. And they start figuring out how to be emotionally vulnerable with people. And they figure out um, what works for them, what doesn't work for them. Um, and maybe have to cut some people out of their life and then reintroduce them other people. Um, so really, it's about finding out how to feel okay when you're not feeling okay, and to do that in relationship with someone, and then then we try doing it towards a larger group or a larger community.
1: So there's this like hyper-focus on the self or the therapeutic relationship as a model to then go outward to replace the models that have been learned for years and years in time upon time.
2: Yes. Yes, absolutely, 100%. That is why they consider therapists to be one step away from uh, sex workers uh, in a lot of ways, because there is a lot of really important, um, just like one-on-one healing experiences that need to happen for these folks.
0: I have two points. Uh, The first one is for listeners out there. And I just want to make sure it's clear that therapist isn't perfect or isn't necessarily right or wrong. It's about meeting the person where they're at and giving them the space that they need to to exist and be the way that they need to exist and be. Um, so I, I want to make sure people understand that. And then my actual question for you, Adam, is um, what does this look like? We're talking about. What I'm assuming is more of like a one-to-one, one-on-one sort of basis. What does this look like in a group setting? Um, I bring this up because, I mean, from, from my um, experience, like group therapy can be a microcosm for like society or your family or whatever. Um, some group that is in your life. So what does this look like? Maybe if it's partnered, maybe if it is, you know,
2: three or four people sitting in a room together. Yeah. I I'm I'm going to answer that question and I also want to like to also uh, encourage more talk about what you just said also about the therapist not being perfect. Um and and meeting them where they're at. Um
1: Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. It's your interview. Um, What do you think this is? Your podcast? (laughs) I won't have it, I tell you. She's the host. (laughs) Please, come on, tell us.
2: Well, um, one of the really important parts of building this relationship is having a rupture at some point. In this relationship, having a not a major, not a life changing, uh, maybe life changing, but like not like scary, unsafe rupture, but one where it's like, oh, I didn't get that right. You, I did not support you the way that you needed to, and not become defensive about it. Um, and so, um, I would say the hard one of the hardest parts of the work that I do is getting to a place where my client gets to cuss at me and gets to yet say that I was a terrible therapist this one day um, because I, I'm i very confident in my abilities. I love being a therapist and I do mess up. And when there's enough room in our relationship for them to acknowledge, like, you messed up, that's how I know, like, there's a lot of safety for them and they're not necessarily scared to run me away. Um, that's not all my clients. Some, some clients are really good at that. Some clients are very, very good at that. Um, but others, that's a really healing experience for your therapist to be wrong. And so if you're listening to this and your therapist fucked up sometime, I, if it's safe and you are thinking about it, it might be worth thinking about telling them that they messed up and that it felt really crappy. And see how they respond. And if it feels really good, oh my gosh, it might feel so nice. That relationship gets so much deeper in those moments it's easy to be friends and to be in relationship with people when there's no conflict. And that's what group Ugh. does. Bam. Oh my look God. At, look at you. She's done this before. <laughs> okay. I've done this before. <laughs> I am my first rodeo. You better. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah. Group is a place where, cause like everyone comes in with, with stuff that like, is sometimes hard to sit in a room with. Um, Everyone has that like cringe worthy thing that it is is actually hard to sit with. And sometimes um, in a relationship with a therapist, like there there isn't the room for that, uh, where like, it's not really appropriate for me to say this one thing about how you show up on these days. Um, But in a group setting where it's a peer to peer relationship, that's where you get to work through some of the more nuanced conflicts or conflictual experiences that can happen. Um, Where um, like if a client for me shows up late um, like two or three times in a row, we're going to talk about it and I'm going to be supportive of it. Um, But in a group, if you show up two or three times in a late or two or three times late um, for the group, there might be people in there who are pissed off at you and who are going to have really angry words for you. Like, why are you doing this to us? This, You're treating us like you don't respect us. Um, and of course, it's not always like that. It's not that black and white. But um, group allows people to have their angered feelings a little bit more uh, and to be able to work it out in a place that's safe because there's agreement with at least with my group. There's an agreement that we always talk it out and that if there's a big conflict, you can't leave right away. Um, like if, if it's feeling unsafe, um, I stop it. I will like interject, but um, if there's a conflict going on, you have to come back for at least three more weeks to talk it out. Um, that's the, the the agreement of the group. Not everyone is, is ready for a group. Not everyone needs a group like that or wants a group like that, but um, that's the type of group that I do. That's how attachment can rework, where you can have conflict and then work through it. And it feels really
1: good. And these people know you better. That's, um, these, this last few minutes has been making me think a lot around when you were mentioning the concept of like, you know, chosen family earlier and how that can be a healing experience when you have a family of origin, that's like not it. And then, you know, we obviously, We talk a lot on this podcast, too, of like, we're always going to say, like, go to therapy. It's a good idea with also all the other caveats that like not always affordable, not always the best option for folks. Not everyone's ready, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that we both know. And all of that to say, I think. um, For me, what has changed friendships to family has been that stepping into security through conflict. It has been that experience of being like oh, uh, we fucking fought, <laughs> like uh-huh. we fought. Uh-huh. And I literally only love that person so much more because of it. Uh-huh. And that isn't to say, you know, this other type of sort of violent family experience where like you have to have conflict in order to feel loved. Like that's not exactly what I'm saying or trying to offer. But I'm what I'm naming is that like people can experience this in a therapeutic relationship of that gentle challenge or that thing that is like I'm going to handle this gracefully. You do, we can do that together or in a group. But I also just think like in your personal relationships, we can be so afraid of losing it because something isn't right. And I just want to challenge folks to like explore what it is like to step into it a little bit. Like obviously there's going to be spaces and times where that person, is not good for you. And it's not someone to model secure attachment with. And you're going to learn that. But I think that there are times when doing that brings out something so beautiful that just like, sometimes I thought I was going to fight with people and I thought that was going to be it. <laughs> like I, I thought that like we were having a breakup conversation only to realize like, oh no, like I love you so much. <laughs> like, and that's the point that we're, I'm hurt because I love you. Right. Um I don't know where I'm going with this, except I guess that like I think I've been surprised by that, and I'm wondering if there are other ways um that you've seen or are know know of that either come up in group or happen outside of therapy that can help bring about or model secure attachment Oh, so many
2: things, like so many things, and um you know the I would say that the overall focus is sharing feelings. Um, And if when I just said that you had this experience of like this eye roll experience of like, ugh, I don't want to do that. Ask yourself why. Um, You can get to be really curious about why and wonder like where you've maybe tried sharing feelings and it doesn't go well and no one hears you and they get defensive. Um, And uh and I, I ask all of that because in order in order to get like a fully healed experience, it's not just going to therapy. That is just one um, possible tool. Not everyone would benefit from going to therapy, um, especially with the super shitty structure that it can have. Um, and so in order to find that secure attachment or in order to maybe move towards secure attachment, um, is to be able to start testing, not testing your friends, but like testing the waters of sharing, like, unsad once in a while when you're feeling sad and just see what happens. Um, see what happens. Like, do people just drop it? Do they push it away? Do they bring it closer? Do they freak out at you? Um, if you're, especially if you're not ready to like go to that place of conflict, um, like being able to just test the waters of like sharing a few feelings here and there. Um, and I'm not saying like sharing a feeling like I feel like you're an asshole. That's not a feeling. That is a judgment. Um, but, um, you know, mad, sad, glad, scared, excited. Those are pretty much good ones to go from. Uh, so if you have those healing experiences of sharing feelings and people don't freak out and they have a good time and they would listen to you and, um, They make it better somehow, even just by listening. They don't need to give you any advice. They just listen. Um, That can really heal um, a lot of shit in our past. I'm really happy that you brought up
0: um, (laughs) the, I feel like you're being an asshole. No, that's not a feeling. That's a judgment. (laughs) Um, Because I think it also speaks towards, you know, if we're going to get into conflict resolution and just like sort of, resolving conflict um it doesn't have to be i feel like when people think of conflict they think of like conflict resolution or hashing it out with somebody it or fighting or fighting right it feels that has such a negative connotation to it um, and maybe this is just me personally, but it's you know, I can have a conversation and it can be that and I don't think that that is something that was modeled for me. I've had to get better at it, but I think that like it's all just room to grow and to learn about um your attachment style and like maybe what from that did not serve you, um and maybe what does serve you better or maybe hey, the way that this uh, parent figure or guardian in my life, like, I don't have to mimic that just because they did it. Like, I can still get my point across without doing it that way, which I think also opens up a space for you to create the life that you want to live and create, like, the way that you want a relationship with somebody. Um, yeah.
2: Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it... It it makes abundance. It it makes us feel not so scared about stuff. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Shawnee, you're 100% right. This experience of being able to just say, like, I did not like what just happened. um, And be able to talk about it. Be like, I didn't like it because it felt, I, I felt like you were saying something. That's why I didn't like it. Oh. The person says, Oh, I didn't mean it that way. It's like, Oh, okay, great. Glad we talked about this. That's conflict. <laughs> yeah, That's conflict yeah, right
0: there. Yeah. Yeah. Um doesn't always have to end up in a fist fight on the streets. Yeah. Or in no. the back of a car, Charles. <laughs> not Charles. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a funny little story uh, that me and him. Leave Charles not, alone. Not even that
1: serious. <laughs> <laughs> um I mean something that I'm thinking about too is Adam, you were naming earlier, you know, sometimes this work with clients leads to a realization of who needs to not be in your life, right? Or like ways to build up more boundaries. And I think that 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 can be scary, right? And I think that that's why therapy is a helpful tool to kind of have that as a support alongside some of this loss that might be happening as you start healing yourself, as you start moving towards being more in alignment with what's helpful to you, you know? And um, I think when we, there is this idea of therapy, I think that is obviously not the most correct, which is just like, I go to therapy and my life gets better. And I think that like, that is that in a lot of ways that's true, but it it can have these elements of loss along the way to unveil that version of yourself. That's been so cocooned by all these like things. Um, And I guess I just am thinking about the importance of offering ourselves the time uh, to shed, which does not serve us anymore. Shawnee, like we were talking about a little bit last month. And, and also the, the grace to realize that when we actually have more capacity to be loved, we can offer love a whole lot easier too. And that's like a lot of what's coming up for me in this conversation.
2: And doesn't that just sound like a good place to live? Yeah. Like, doesn't it just feel good just hearing that word or saying (laughs) them out loud? It feels so nice. Our body's like, give me some of that. I want that now.
1: Yes. Yes. You know,
2: this coming out in November, I'm thinking a lot about people who have to, uh, and what you were just saying, it makes me think of a lot of people who have to make tough decisions about seeing family for um, uh, some holidays holidays that might happen um, in the fall winter time. And deciding to not see people, uh, deciding to not see, you know, I was thinking about before this came on, or before I came on this, I was like, should, should vaccinated be part of my identity? Is, is that now moving towards that? I mean, I don't think that that's a marginalized population at all. Like, that doesn't, doesn't need to be that. But I, I did think about that. Like, it's really important for me, if I'm going to be in person with someone, that they need to be vaccinated. Um, uh, and maybe there's some wiggle room, but, Probably not much. Um, And so a lot of people are having to make those choices of, like, what is safety? What is not safety for me physically, emotionally, when visiting family? And I support a lot. I have to support a lot of people deciding to cut out toxic people from their life who they've given time and time again trial and error, trial and error, trial and error, where, like, it is very clear there is no experience that will happen where this relationship will get better. And that this person is, it's not serving them. And so I have to support them in letting go of that. That can be really hard. Um, and maybe really healing. I tell people who want to come to therapy, it, you're actually going to start to feel every piece of pain that you've never felt before, that you never allowed yourself to feel before. So it's going to get way worse before it Mm -hmm. gets any better. Um.
0: Yeah. It's a trap, run. No, I'm joking. It yes. is. <laughs> I mean, it's a trap for sure. is a trap. But I mean a <laughs> trap that will work in your favor when Sometimes. it's all said and
1: done, maybe. We hope. <laughs> Fingers crossed. That's what the hope is. Before we transition out to take some meds, I was just wondering, you know, you hold a lot of uh you hold a lot of grace and you hold a lot of um empathy. And I'm just wondering how this work has been healing for you and your own journey?
2: Uh, Every single day, it's been so healing. Every single day, it's been a wild, wonderful experience because I get to be in relationship with my partner and when crappy things happen, I get to say, I get to lean towards security and say, that really fucking sucked, what just happened. Did not like it. And he's just gonna listen to me. He's not gonna try to tell me I was wrong or crappy. Um, and I know that that's actually security. Um, that's, that's the good part. That's the good stuff. Um, and I get to, like, lean towards that. Uh, even when some parts of my mind might say, I need to, I wanna lean away from it. I wanna lean, I don't wanna share, I wanna hide, I wanna isolate. Um, uh, because, you know, Everyone has that. Everyone has those feelings here and there. But it's been really wonderful being able to share with my partner when I'm feeling things and to have them share stuff with me. Um, and so it's, it's healed a lot of my relationships. Uh, it's, it's also brought awareness to, you know, me of really painful relationships that I've had to change the, the circumstances of. Um, but it's been, um it's been wildly healing Uh, highly recommend uh nine out of ten um (laughs) recommend to friends and family
1: yes (laughs) 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 um well thank you so much this has truly been deeply informative and calming and um I feel like I'm going to think about this for several weeks. So I'm excited to <laughs> like, you know, like step away from it and, and not in a bad way, like just really like holding this in a, um, in a space of gratitude and truly holding you in a space of gratitude. I, I don't know why we know each other and I am happy that we do. And I feel really gracious, um, for that. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad the universe brought us together. <laughs> um, let's take a quick break and then we can take some meds and then get on out of here. We're ready to
2: come
0: back again. All right, all right, all right. Wait, that was like Matthew McConaughey, right? Did I sound like Matthew <laughs> McConaughey? Yeah. Yes, right, cool. that is what that is. Didn't that, when he said that, that was in a movie that took place in Texas, right? In
1: Austin. Yes. I know my. Memories. Dazed and confused. There we Dazed and go. confused is and, based in Austin. Oh, huh. I didn't know that. I knew he lived here, but I didn't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to make a Matthew McConaughey reference. Um, it's time to take some meds. So it's that time of the episode where we talk about what's making us happy, what's bringing us joy, whether that be just waking up today or we started a charity and saved millions of lives. Nobody did that over here. I don't think. Um, but who wants
1: to go first? Um, I can go first since I always go first. Um, <laughs> you're, right, um, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're uh, right. No, I'm gonna keep it real brief uh, and just kind of. Uh, Mitsuki came out with a new single. Uh, oh, I guess that maybe this date at this point, but uh, Mitski came out with a new single this week um, called "Working for the Knife," and I. Honestly, I'm not, like, a giant, like, Mitski fan. I really, really liked Puberty 2. Um, and I don't know if, if you don't know any of these things that I'm saying. It's, <laughs> it's like, I need you just spell this name. Um, okay. I will send you a song that I'm pretty sure you know. Uh, the All-American Girl song was, like, it was, like, pretty big. She's, like, a Asian-American rock and roll girl. Okay. Cool. Oh, um, hot indie lady. Um, anyway, Working for the Knife, there is something about it that I truly am re- realizing that I don't fully understand everything that it is trying to convey emotionally to me. And I experienced so many emotions that I just like keep putting it on loop. Like I was driving and like, as it would get like towards the end of the song, I'd be like, again, and then I just like again, yeah. I feel like I listened to it, like seven times in a row yesterday. Mitski working for the knife. I also watched the video today. She does like a um, really beautiful, like dance around um, productivity and power. Anyway, Mitski working for the knife. Fifth time I've said it. Adam, what, what have you got? What's bringing you joy?
2: <laughs> is it Mitski? Uh, I think uh, it's, it's
1: Mitski. Her name is Mitski. Mitski. Mitski.
2: Saying it like that, I still am just as confused. Um, and Dazed and confused even. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I was able to carve uh, a jack-o'-lantern with some friends. And that just felt so... Kitschy and chuggy and fall vibe that I have not felt in two years. Wow. Um, and I felt really oh, fun. Right. It was really perfect. What was your shape? It was literally OG jack-o'-lantern smile. Because uh, I knew I was bent out of practice. This is going to be rough. Got to carry it in my car. Don't want pumpkin yeah. all over the place. I didn't get any pumpkin any over the places. So perfect. All positives. <laughs> all of that. Perfect. Better than me. <laughs> um what about you Shani? Shanae? my
0: meds this week are gonna be super sappy and corny but as we were doing this episode and talking about these things my mind kept going back to you maddie and carlos out there and spencer out there and nojan out there um i don't know i really love y'all thank you for I don't know. I'm really grateful for the fact that y'all are my chosen family. And we've talked about it at length on this podcast before, but I was not the person I am today. Um, A few years back, I was not vulnerable. I did not let people in. I did not talk about things. Um, I didn't do any of that. I was very standoffish, very cold, very much so. And I mean, I still am a little like, why you need to know my business? But (laughs) at least now I know it's I can ask myself why i'm asking that before i say the thing. Anyways, long story short, um this episode felt really special to me because i feel like, you know, those the attachment theory stuff, though i never really had a name for it, i know has been born out of um my family dynamics and the way that i used to be in the world and um i just want to acknowledge that. I feel like i've made a lot of progress and it wouldn't be I wouldn't be able to if it wasn't for you amazing human beings in my life. So that's that.
1: I think you're fine. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know I'm fine, girl. Like You are fine. You are fine. Sexiest friend, for sure. For sure. (laughs) I love you so much. Um, Adam, where can our listeners find you um, and learn more about your work? Uh, Y'all can find me getting tacos in Austin, going
2: around the greenbelt, having a good time. Also on my website at adamtherapy.com. It's A-D-A-M therapy.com.
1: Beautiful. Um, This has been such a joy. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you. Check out Adam's website. Um, Give us those five-star reviews. We love you. Thank you for being here. Um, And tell an attachment figure in your life, but you love them. I think that's a that's a helpful that's a helpful thing to let go or of. Or
0: start some conflict.
1: Yeah, fight your <laughs> go to your roommate and just punch them right in the face. Blue, come here. <laughs> <laughs> no, not old abuse. Okay, we gotta get go out of here. All we right. gotta go. it's us get out of Bye control Bye friends. Love you, love you, love you. Mm-hmm. trying to talk slick up in my ear and shit.